Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And are you listening wherever you are tonight at WWL.com, the radio.com app? And I don't know, maybe here just in the studio. That's how Logan's listening. So, hi, Logan. How are you? There you go. Well, <laughs> behind the glass you haven't been on the mic much the last couple of uh, days it's just been too busy what's, what's going on logan uh we're gonna skip my usual you know blathering long intro that i do so what's up uh nothing much man uh i just came from bell chase i was helping a friend of mine move into his new apartment oh oh a swanky new apartment out there in bell chase yeah yeah uh 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 sadly his uh his previous house uh got caught on fire and they're trying to rebuild that but for oh, right man. now he's uh staying in an apartment so, uh, yeah, no, it was just uh, moving a lot of heavy things upstairs today. So, <laughs> okay, so you're tired. You, you need that. Uh, you got some local. What is that? Some some chips. I, I can't give the the company there. We got some local potato chips, right? Yeah, we got some chips, and uh, and and I got a, a energy drink right behind me. So, uh, hey, you and me yeah. both. Look, we're, we're energy drink partners tonight because we got to have it here. Uh, we're gonna be watching the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. You a hockey guy, Logan? You ever watch hockey? I know you're not a, like a hockey guy, but you ever watch hockey? I went in person to watch hockey back when I was uh, living in Houston, and that was immensely fun. I just can't bring myself to watch it on TV. I find go. it boring. Uh, well, it's not boring tonight, so if you can, if you want to punch it up, NBC Sports uh, Network there, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals going on right now. Just went to the end of the first period, and the road team, Steve Quartz, watching this intently somewhere on the North Shore. 2 nothing. Blues lead the Bruins. Remember, Blues lost Game 6 at home. They're on the road for Game 7. Boston favored, but St. Louis, the 2-0 lead. Obviously, that one's far from over. We'll keep you updated there on Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. We'll have Saints mini camp to cover later in the hour. Mike Neighbors comes on in at 8.32. Hour 2, we got to get to this Rich Paul going nuclear again, this time in Sports Illustrated. It's been all over the news everywhere in the country today, so we'll get into that. We also talked to the lovely Jen Hale of Fox Sports, and she's also – the lead host for FS1's Undisputed this week, taking the the host chair right between Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. So we'll talk to Janet 9.30. We'll have some NBA Finals predictions. And then an hour three, it's Carter the Power. We're going to get weird with him of the Carter Bryant Show and an excellent interview by Christian and Bobby with NFL quarterback, former NFL quarterback Phil Sims on Sports Talk. I have to replay that for you. We'll do that in the 10 o'clock hour. If you didn't hear it yet, you got to stay tuned. So that's the lineup for our show. We're going to start off with a bombshell NCAA basketball report in just a second also. So hang on for just a couple of seconds. We'll get to that. You're going to want to hear this if you haven't. And even if you had, I know you're going to want to probably comment on what I'm going to say. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll tonight. What's your view of Anthony Davis? I am curious. What's your view right now? I want to take the temperature of our audience. What's your view of AD? No hard feelings or you – know, what a jerk. I will lean towards no hard feelings. I, I know it's hard right now. I don't want to you know, poison the poll. I'd be, I'd be in the no hard feelings category. I get it. It's a business. I think his agent has acted a little odd. And I think he has a vendetta against the Pelicans organization. It almost seems like the city. 
with 80, I'd probably say no hard feelings. And the further we get away from it, that's what I'd say. You can vote on our Blue Runner Gumbo poll at www.com, the radio.com app. So this bombshell NCAA report came out just a couple of hours ago. Fallout from the FBI investigation into the fraud and corruption in college basketball. We've been wondering for years, when is exactly is the NCAA going to get involved in here? When are they going to issue their own penalties? Well, been waiting a couple of years, and the first shoe has dropped today, earlier this evening. Dennis Dodd had it first of CBS Sports. He had an NCAA official on record with this stuff. I wanted to mention that up front because almost the immediate pushback from everybody when we talk about this scandal and anything around LSU or Will Wade is that, well, it's just anonymous sources. Sources. You don't have anybody on record. Nope. He got... The current NCAA Vice President of Regulatory Affairs, Stan Wilcox, on the record to detail plans to issue level one notices of violation to at least six schools in the coming months. So the NCAA is going to, according to their official Stan Wilcox, going to issue notices of level one violations to at least six Division I programs over the summer by the end of July. We'll get into why it's the end of July here in just a second. The first of those is coming in the next couple of weeks. Wilcox saying first two notifications will be sent out by the first week of July. Now, level one violations are the most serious infractions that the NCAA penalizes. The penalties for level one violations are things like postseason bans, often multi-year postseason bans, scholarship reductions, coach bans or what we call show cause stipulations to these coaches this is major major stuff this is the earthquake we've been waiting for in college basketball now dennis dodd because these notifications have not gone out yet he did not name the schools there's no schools named in this we can kind of speculate on which schools might be named We'll get to that in just a second. But there were about 20 programs, and I know Christian mentioned this, and he was spot on. There were about 20 programs mentioned directly or indirectly, either through wiretaps, transcripts, direct evidence linking about 20 programs to this scandal in the FBI trials last October and also this spring. Now, the reason I bring that up is because in addition to these six Wilcox says, quote, there's even another group of cases that we're still working on. The main thing is that we're up and ready. We're moving forward and you'll see consequences. Now, if you're wondering why there's only six notices of violations being set to go out here initially, it's because of the lack of manpower. Bobby Bear asked a great question. Why is the NCAA a little slower than the FBI on this? Well, it's because they don't have the manpower that the FBI does. And they've been pretty open about that. Mark Emmert has been even open about that, saying, well, we're, we're limited on the resources that we have, but we're going to do our, our, the best that we can. Now, a lot of people like me, who's a little pessimistic and a little cynical about this process, thought, well, maybe the NCAA is going to drag their feet, so hope we all forget about this, and they're not going to penalize anybody. I don't often give credit to the NCAA. It is very rare when I do, and I think they do something right. Tonight, they did something right, or at least in the last few weeks and months that they've been working on this, they've been doing things right in making sure that they are serious about weeding this problem out of college basketball. 
recruiting in college basketball is as dirty as it gets in any sport. You have these bag men. You have shoe companies involved. You have direct payments, oftentimes going from programs to players. You have quid pro quo agreements with family members of players. I mean, the the details are sorted, really sorted. And for a sport that should pride itself on transparency and it always embraces its amateur status, the NCAA does anyways. Now, we can get into that. That's a different conversation. But they had to get serious about this or nobody would take them seriously anymore. So you have six programs that are going to be issued, at least six programs, almost assuredly a lot more. They're going to be issued these level one violations. We have never seen notifications like this issued in mass in my recollection anyways or anything that i can find in college basketball now i'm now we get to the speculation part okay so i gave you the facts now we get to the speculation part these programs you could have six and he said this is words from wilcox direct quote high level programs could be ones like kansas who are implicated in this and bill self arizona and sean miller Oklahoma State's involved. They have some history there. Yes, LSU's involved. Auburn's involved as well. But you could have Louisville, of course. We know that. Rick Pitino got fired. He was the first guy that got caught up into this, the first program that got caught up into this. We're talking about some of the biggest programs in college basketball en masse could be issued multi-year postseason suspensions. This means, and again, this is just conjecture and hyperbole, we could be going something like the 2020, 2021 seasons and in March Madness with programs like Kansas, Arizona, Auburn, Louisville, yeah, LSU too, all with postseason bans and not able to participate in that tournament. Scholarship reductions, really crippling stuff to their programs. This is massive. This is about as massive as anything that I can remember with NCAA penalties. And what's come down the pipe? Now, if you're wondering why that the NCAA is trying to do this now and trying to do it now, and they keep saying the next few weeks and into the summer, well, that's because the NCAA has a new policy that goes into effect on August 1st. After August 1st, new cases will be subject to the new NCAA policies adopted through the recommendations made by the Rice Commission. They're going to set up an independent commission That includes persons outside the NCAA, more objective than those people inside the NCAA, that will have a chance to look at the infractions and also issue penalties. And here's what Wilcox said about that. Quote, they could be more restrictive or less restrictive. I wouldn't want to be the first institution to go through that process. So as we wait here in Louisiana to find out if LSU is involved in this, Let me issue you two words of caution. And I've been issuing the first one for a long time. If you think that just because Will Wade was reinstated and he wasn't penalized yet by the NCAA, if you thought that this was going to go away, it's not. It absolutely is not. And the second warning here is, and you need to pay attention to this one, If LSU is not caught up in this initial six, 
that we've been told by Wilcox and the NCAA now that it's coming, even if LSU is not implicated in the initial six, if they are not sent level one notifications of violation, that doesn't mean they're off the hook. That's because Wilcox says they have many more that they're investigating, many more programs that they're investigating that will come down the pipe after that. They don't have the manpower to get everybody at once across the country. They're going with these six, and now they're going to work on their next batch. And if you're an LSU fan, from a program standpoint, you likely want, whether they're level one, level two violations, you probably want this to come down sooner rather than later if, if, if they're coming because of that new policy that goes into effect on August 1st. If LSU, just like Wilcox says, and this is what I feared for a long time from an LSU program perspective, if they're the first ones that get subject to this Rice Commission panel, you could see severe penalties like we've never seen before, at least relative to the improprieties that LSU and Will Wade either would have been found guilty of or accused of. This isn't going away. LSU not named in this. There wasn't a specific program in the country named in this. But LSU was one of the programs that got swept up into this trial front and center. And I've also seen on social media that, well, Wilcox says, uh, we're not going to use any hearsay evidence or any sources that happen from the media. And initially, LSU says, well, that means they're not going to use any of the transcripts that were reported on in the, in the, the spring. That might be right. You might be right about that. But here's the thing. Will Wade's transcript, the transcript of the wiretap of him on a conversation, on a call with Christian Dawkins, was read in court in October. It was entered into evidence in October. Will Wade, again, his conversation with Christian Dawkins was entered into evidence in October. This isn't going away. If you think that I only care if I'm if I sound like I'm bitter and I want Will Wade gone, I don't care about any of that. I don't. Other than yes, I would have probably terminated him for cause when this all came out. I don't have a vendetta against Will Wade. Here's what I do have. I have an extreme love for college basketball and I have an extreme love for the LSU basketball program. I want that program to be great long term. You know what's not going to make that happen? If LSU keeps trying to sweep this under the rug and all of a sudden they get the ban hammer either with these level one violations or with the rights commission panel that comes on August 1st. This isn't good stuff, folks. This is this is massive. And you can bet somewhere along the line here that LSU's going to be implicated and involved. You can keep burying your head in the sand. But it's coming. This freight train is coming. We've seen it coming for two years. Everyone, everybody wanted to pay it, act like it you know, wasn't going to happen, wasn't coming for us, wasn't coming for the program I like. Well, here they come. We'll take a break. We're going to come back with your phone calls. Open up the lines now at 504-260-1870. I know you're out there, LSU fans. You want to react to this. I'll give you your platform, 504-260-1870. The text line is 870-870. The last lap just getting started on WWL. 
I got a text from somebody I know asking, hey, could you explain the Rice Commission and what that means? So it was mentioning that the Rice Commission's uh, recommendations, the panel that they recommended, will go into effect on August 1st. And the the punishments and really kind of arbitration of these kind of cases will go to that panel after August 1st. It's being handled internally by the NCAA. Now, the Rice Commission was Condoleezza's Rice the commission on uh, college basketball where they tried to basically spent months Condoleezza Rice helmed this the former secretary of state the George W Bush administration she helmed it and they tried to find ways basically to fix what was broken in college basketball frankly not a lot came out of that not a lot came out of that the one thing that did come out of that that I think was good is you're going to have an independent panel now hand down penalties after looking at all the evidence and, and data on these kind of things. And that will start on August 1st. So this was a recommendation by that commission helmed by Condoleezza Rice. She sent it to Mark Emmert and the NCAA, and they approved a lot of those recommendations, including this panel. You just Google if you want. Uh, I, I don't know. You, I'm assuming you can Google Rice Commission, although maybe that will give you the University of Rice or something. Just Google uh, NCAA Rice Commission, and you'll see what I'm talking about there. Let's go to Raymond and Harahan. Raymond, what's going on? Raymond on the phone hey, lines. What's going on, Harahan? Hey, Raymond. Hey, um, I'm wondering if Duke, with what they did with Zion, could be one of the teams. Do you think? So, you think you mean if Zion was involved here? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. 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 No, no, absolutely, Raymond. Yes. Uh, to answer your question very directly here, yes. I do think so because you have Kansas involved, and Kansas apparently was willing to offer, willing to offer money and also willing to offer Zion Williamson's father – a job. And then all of a sudden, it's not Kansas that signs Zion. We know he went to Duke. Admittedly, there has been nothing that's come out about Duke. And I personally do not believe this is some kind of massive cover-up by journalists from coast to coast who want to hide anything that Duke's doing. Do I believe that Duke is squeaky clean? No. When I gave my list many times earlier this year, that I think programs and coaches that are squeaky clean. I didn't mention Mike Krzyzewski, and there's a reason for that. I've heard way too many things. Way too many sources have told me they know of stuff that's gone on there. But as far as Zion and Duke, I have not heard, nor have we heard, anything specific like we have with Kansas and with Bill Self. Here is a text from the 985. We'll wait as an undercover agent. Bank on it. Kidding, of course. That would be interesting, right? Text from the 985, there's no way in hell that LSU gets out of this without some form of punishment, if not level one in the initial six. Text from the 504, Zags might be in the next batch. Just saying, hey, yeah, well, look, you know I'm a Zag fan. I hope not. I don't think Mark View would be involved. More of your calls, 504-260-1870. Also, Mike Neighbors coming up. One final text on this from the 985. Will this affect the football programs? Uh, no, at least not directly. This is all about college basketball. One more time, a bombshell report about three hours ago now with an NCAA official, a guy named Mark Wilcox, going on record telling us that the NCAA is ready to issue notice of level one recruiting violations to at least six schools and also telling us that they've got another batch after that six ready to go that they're working on right now. This is major stuff. I, frankly, I don't think we've ever seen anything in mass like this in NCAA history. Certainly not in college basketball, in, in, in the modern era anyways. This is something we're going to keep an eye on and report for you 
uh, as it goes along. LSU was not named, nor were any schools directly in this. But we all know, at least we're all on pins and needles wondering, you know, if, if and when the next shoe's going to drop there. So put that aside for now. You can keep texting the program with that at 870-870. But let's talk some Saints minicamp as they were back out in Metairie today in action under the overcast skies, which is kind of nice for everybody because it wasn't just you know piping hot with the sun blazing down on you. And Mike Neighbors was out there who covers the Saints for CST, at Mike Neighbors on Twitter. That's N-A-B-O-R-S. And, and uh, Mike and I were chatting the last couple of days out there. Mike, how's it going, buddy? Good to chat with you, my friend. Uh, yeah, the, the, I think the fans got a little reprieve and so did the players uh, with the weather today. And we had a little breeze out there, too. No, I guess pun intended as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, Mike. Um, and it's always kind of fun to see you and everybody else out of camp. It's almost like, I don't know, like like summer camp, even for us in the media, you kind of get to see everybody after a few months off. And you're like, hey, how's, how's it going? I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy that aspect of it. I do, too. Yeah, it's good to catch up with everybody because, you know, everybody kind of goes their separate ways somewhat. I mean, you still see each other, you know, at Pelicans games and press conferences, and then there's all kinds of other events in New Orleans, but not in that sense where we're all together like a training camp atmosphere. I got to tell you, Seth, I mean, the first day, sometimes minicamp can be mundane. I thought there were a lot of great storylines so far in the first two days. I mean, the Kim Jordan signing, and, you know, you got a rugby player out there, and you know, Drew Brees wasn't there, and now he's back, and you, know, you have uh, Eric McCoy getting a lot of reps at center, and you know we can keep going on and on here. But I thought, you know, sometimes these mini camps get kind of boring. But I, I think there's a lot to watch so far. Yeah, I think so too. One of the things we saw today, and Bobby was talking about this a lot. I actually think he asked Sean Payton this directly in the the post practice practice press conference was the the mishandling of snaps from Eric McCoy. I think we saw a couple of those, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting dynamic because Larry Warford's hurt and Nick Easton's moving over to guard. But I think they want to see what they have with Eric McCoy and especially because, uh, you know, Breeze wasn't there uh, yesterday and he was back there today. So I don't know if he was more nervous with Breeze there <laughs> because he looked like he was a little better yesterday. I thought it was intriguing yesterday, too, to see Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater, you know, get more snaps than we're used to as well. But, uh, yeah, I think they have high hopes for McCoy and, they want to put him, uh, you know, under the fire as much as they can right now and see what they get. What, what are you seeing from Bridgewater? And I've also heard JT Barrett's been a little impressive this first few days. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody, you know, it, it's a funny life if you're JT Barrett. I wonder if you're Sean Payton sometimes, if you take him aside and say, listen, you're going to go off and on the practice squad. Just just get a condo here. You'll be okay. You know, we're not going to just let you go, but you're going <laughs> to, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. Kind of like Andy Tanner, the wide receiver who was on and off the practice field a couple of years ago. But, yeah, I think all three quarterbacks had their moments. Some say J.T. Barrett has had his best couple of days as a New Orleans fan. I know he hasn't been around as long, but he's making the most of his opportunities. I think Taysom Hill really had his best day yesterday, had another solid day today. Bridgewater, you know, I mean, people forget sometimes that that guy, you know, went to a playoff game with Minnesota. He's used to being the guy at practice. So they're all getting a lot more work than they're accustomed to, and and, you know, talking to Teddy Bridgewater after practice yesterday, um, you know, he's not going to disclose fully all the opportunities he had. But we do know this about Teddy Bridgewater. He loves the Saints locker room. He feels very comfortable with his teammates. And uh, he likes the vibe. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen when eventually Drew Brees is gone. But it's clear that Teddy Bridgewater 
loves being in the locker room with the Saints. And I'm talking to Mike Neighbors here, covers the Saints in NFL for CST. And, and Teddy Bridgewater is interesting because he came back here and turned down an opportunity for uh, a starting job and free agency to come back here and do it. What's that dynamic like between between him and, and, and Taysom Hill? Is They're kind of competing, and I know we're looking to next year, maybe in a couple years down the road, but it's kind of the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's interesting to me. You know, Drew Brees, if they won a Super Bowl, I would not have been shocked if Drew Brees just uh, rode off into the sunset. And, you know, you don't know the conversations that uh, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis had with Teddy Bridgewater. But, you know, Drew Brees obviously isn't going to be a New Orleans Saint for a long, long time. But then Teddy Bridgewater's not getting any younger either. So, like you said, I mean, he could have gone a few places. Maybe he could have been in the mix down in Miami. You know, they, they offer Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think they'd rather have a Teddy Bridgewater. That's before, you know, they make the trade and, 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 and you know, bringing the young guy down there. So, I, I think he definitely has opportunities. But I think it speaks volumes for his situation here in New Orleans because he could have gone elsewhere. But it also says a lot about Breeze that, that he stayed and is comfortable, loves the locker room, loves playing with Drew Breeze. You know, to me, the interesting dynamic with Taysom Hill is you see this copycat NFL is that teams are drafting guys that they can develop like Taysom Hill, and, yeah, he can play emergency quarterback, but he also can play special teams. And, you know, I think the Bucks did that with uh, Pat Fitzgerald, I'm trying to, the guy that played at Mississippi State. They're grooming him to be kind of a Taysom Hill type player. So Taysom Hill's already a trendsetter, and he's a third-string quarterback. But, you know, when he was given a chance to practice the last couple of days, he's shown what he can do with his arm. I think he's only going to get better. So the dynamic to me is very interesting. I mean, you have a backup quarterback who could be a starter somewhere else, and you have a third-stringer who's a trendsetter around the NFL. So uh, the Saints uh, definitely are boring on the depth chart of quarterback. One of the guys that they're going to be throwing to a, a big weapon is Jared Cook. What do you seen from him? Boy, it's impressive. You know, I was I was looking at Michael Thomas's numbers. Uh, I remember asking Payton this after practice that uh, I know he likes his young wide receivers, but you know they were maturing last year, and of course the you know the older guys, you know the Merediths and the Ted Gins were injured. I mean, Michael Thomas said had 400 more yards than all the other receivers combined, and he had 50 more catches than all the other receivers combined on the roster. So he's welcoming a tight end like that. I mean, if he gets any kind of help. Uh, I mean, the numbers that he has put up in his first three years without any help, that just, to me, if you're a Saints fan, you love having a veteran tight end coming in here and helping him. And then if you get any kind of maturation out of these wide receivers, it's going to be interesting because, you know, as great as Marcus Colston was, he never had a season where he had 1,000 yards receiving. And Michael Thomas has already had two. And Michael Thomas's uncle is Keyshawn Johnson, who had more than a serviceable career in the NFL, he only had four 1,000-yard receiving seasons. Thomas really has two. He could have easily had three. He was close to that his rookie season. So I love the tight end because, you know, I think he's going to be an impact player from day number one. He's already looked good in minicamp. But to me, the best thing is he's going to give Michael Thomas help who desperately needs it. It's Mike Neighbors of CST at Mike Neighbors, N-A-B-O-R-S. And you're able to watch the skill position players here in minicamp and OTAs you know, with a lot better clarity than they are the guys in the trenches. Traquan Smith is somebody that it seems like most people in New Orleans are a little split on. When I say most people, most most of the analysts and, and reporters who cover this team on an everyday basis. What do you think about the second-year receiver? 
You know, I do a podcast with Scott Shanley, a shameless plug. I've been there, done that. And we had Marcus Colston on, and, and we asked him about the young wide receivers, and he immediately said he's impressed with Traquan Smith and he likes the potential of Traquan Smith. And, you know, uh, Marcus Colston isn't prone to hyperbole, so he's not going to exaggerate things. So I thought that spoke volumes for Traquan. But also, I thought Traquan kind of hit that rookie wall a little bit because, you know, he looked really good early on, got a little banged up, and then really didn't do much later in the season. But I think when he was on early, he had a comfort level with Drew Brees and, you know, contributed quite a bit. So I think if any of the young guys who we talked about are going to step up, he's the guy. And, you know, bringing in that veteran tight end should help not only Michael Thomas, but should help Traquan. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's got a lot of potential. And it just shows you, you know, once again, this, this organization since 2017 has hit a lot in this draft. And if, if Traquan can step up, it's just another – another added draft pick that's uh, contributing. Mike, we're talking so much positivity here, and I've been kind of been doing it all week long. I guess that's that's <laughs> the offseason. Can, can you give us a counterpoint? To, can you give us something maybe a little negative or something you're concerned about with the team right now? Well, you know, I, I think a big question mark is Marcus Davenport. You know, I really like the fact that when he was rolling last year, he was making impact plays. But, uh, you know, they don't have Okafor anymore. And we've said this about this defensive line for a long time. You know, they got to give Cam Jordan some help. And, you know, Shelton Rankins, uh, you know, we will know when he's going to return back. Looks like it'll be early in the season. I really like Marcus Davenport, but the jury is still out. I like his attitude, though. I mean, we were talking to him uh, the last couple of days, and he is never content. He was this way during the season. I mean, when he was forcing fumbles, when he was stacking quarterbacks, I think he had a stretch where he had four stacks in five games. He wasn't content, and he's embraced the pressure that the team has invested so much in him. So I don't know if it's a negative, but they really need him to step up because with Rankins out and with Cam Jordan getting double teamed, um, you know he's going to have a lot of pressure on him. But I, you know I, I like all the signs right now that he seems like he can handle the pressure. And, uh, you know, he, he wants to get better, and that's always a good sign for a second-year player. Uh, if you guys don't know Mike Neighbors out there, he's a jet setter, a lot of frequent flyer miles back here <laughs> and into Florida. And I know, Mike, you, you flew back to, to Florida this evening already, right? I'm in Tampa, yeah. I uh, actually, you know, I cover the Bucks and the Saints, but I, primarily the Saints. And uh, CST's been, been great to me. And, you know, I actually started covering the Saints when – Sean Payton and Drew Brees took over. I felt kind of guilty, you know. As I, you know, at, at the time, back in 2006, <laughs> you weren't sure that they were going to play that well. It's funny, you know. Scott Shanley and I do a lot of work together, and of course, he didn't know it either back then. But yeah, I really am appreciative of the run that I've been on with the Saints. Just jumping on board at such an unbelievable historic time. Mike, uh, it's good to hear your voice again, buddy. And good to see your face out there at camp. And I know we'll talk a lot more here as the off season continues towards the season. Thanks so much, man. Anytime, you know, I agree with you. It's, it's like a convention. It's good to catch up there by the last couple of days, but uh, good, good to be on with you. Yeah, yeah, it really is, Mike. Thanks so much. All right, see you. All right, at Mike Neighbors on Twitter, covers the Saints and the NFL for CST, at Mike Neighbors, N-A-B-O-R-S on Twitter. Got some texts to get to, plus we've got well, wide open phone lines for you. You want to talk a little Saints minicamp? You want to talk... Well, nearly anything. I know the Stanley Cup Finals Game 7. Steve Courtier out there. Give me a call. We'll talk some Stanley Cup Finals. Also, if you want to weigh in on the bombshell report that the NCAA is ready to issue big-time level one recruiting violations to at least six programs and an NCAA official going on record and saying, you know, it's going to eventually be a lot more than that. 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. 
Got a text just coming in from the 228. Do you think Rich Paul's comments today in Sports Illustrated affects Anthony Davis's trade market? Good question. Stay tuned because the 9 o'clock hour is going to be jam-packed and probably four or five Dunlap rants on Rich Paul in this entire situation. So you just got to hang on here for about uh, 13 more minutes and through news, and we're going to get to that next hour. And we've got two guests for you, including Scott Alexander and Jen Hale, going to weigh in with their thoughts on Rich Paul and everything that's gone on there. And our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll at WWL.com. What's your view of Anthony Davis? Speaking of the Pelicans. Straight up, what's your view of AD? No hard feelings. Think he's a jerk. You can cast your vote at WWL.com or the radio.com app. Sean Payton was speaking after training camp practice today. I was talking to, to Mike Neighbors about Jared Cook and a lot of hype. I told you yesterday, I'm not, I'm staying away from the hype train, but everybody else is buying it. That's fine. I'll stay off the bandwagon. I'll be the last one on this one. Uh, Sean Payton talked about Jared Cook. And the physical attributes that he was talking about there, the way he looks on the field, now that's where he's right. You look at Jared Cook matching up against guys in the secondary or linebackers when he's running downfield, and there's just a massive size gap. He's a large dude. And he's also, look, he's a good tight end. I'm not trying to make Jared Cook into, I don't know, Josh Hill or something. He's not as good tight end. I don't know if he's going to turn into, you know, Pro Bowl all pro level tight ends like you know the hype would suggest here maybe nobody's actually suggesting that it's just you know, normal training camp stuff here's a text from the 985 if lsu gets tagged this round of sanctions the ncaa must have a lot more on them than we know right now can't see them penalizing lsu strictly on wade's comments about a strong ass offer that in itself is not evidence to punish lsu no it is not i would agree there but Here's what I would ask you. The six schools, and they're unnamed schools, but the six schools and programs that the NCAA is going to, not may, remember, they're on record now saying they're going to issue level one notices of violation. There haven't been six schools with direct evidence, direct evidence to their head coaches. I'm talking about smoking gun evidence that the NCAA has their hands on. Now, there's evidence that would probably lead in a jury. If you're talking about reasonable doubt, yeah, they passed that bar and flown by that bar, or maybe under that bar in a bad way. And guys like Sean Miller, Bill Self, and in my mind, yes, Will Wade, would be subject to that kind of scrutiny. But the NCAA has their own investigative team. They have uncovered stuff, and they've also been very open that we're going to they're going to try and have been trying to get some of the information from the FBI. The FBI either hadn't exposed in the trial or some of the stuff that they had exposed in trial, and they wanted to see if the FBI would share some of that information. Now, we don't know. That's something that we haven't found out yet. There's been no leaks, no reports on what exactly the NCAA has gotten from the FBI and how exactly they're cooperating other than they're trying to cooperate. At least the NCAA is trying to get them to cooperate. But there's there's six schools that are going down here, at least six schools. Going to be a lot more than that when it's all said and done. You can make some conjecture on your own on who you think those six schools are and who you think's behind them in the next round. Just It's not good for college basketball, what's been going on. But, well, and these, look, the penalties coming down, it's going to be a big-time black eye on college basketball. But I'll say again, this is a great thing when it's all said and done for college hoops and the state of college hoops. 
if you have when it's all said and done 10 plus programs heck even six plus programs all at the same time with these level one violations multi-year postseason bans scholarship reductions coaches getting show cause that's going to send a shot across the bow to everybody that you should not engage in this kind of nefarious recruiting tactics period and the people who say it's way too prevalent you are absolutely right you're 100 percent right and i'm with you there it's not everybody the people who say oh it's every program from coast to coast no it's not it's not everybody john beeline just left a premier position at michigan because he was tired of the bs he was tired of playing clean in a sport that is way too dirty haven't heard anything about tony bennett everybody says he's squeaky clean jay wright mark few some of the other coaches it's not everybody is it way too many oh yeah is everybody who's dirty going to go down here nope no they're not that's not fair perhaps but we talk about it all the time life and sports they're not fair folks they're not fair and remember will wade he had a transcript of his wiretap read in court multiple leaks of other wiretaps and transcripts out there that i don't know if the ncaa has gotten a hold of those or can use those but i'll just say it again and our text line's been pretty good tonight, pretty level-headed. If you think this is all going away, it's not. 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Text line 870-870. One more break here before the top of the hour. The last lap continuing on WWL. <laughs> text, I love this text. And I'm not even going to say this text is wrong. Text from the 504, dude, you're super cool and everything, but you rant way too much. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of me. It's kind of my brand. I rant. But you're not wrong. I think, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little self-reflective there. I do rant a lot. I even, you know, I'm a little self-deprecating on some of my rants. I get way too fired up sometimes. <laughs> Text from the 504, talking about the college basketball scandal, and I was saying, you know, if the NCAA, and they are, like it's it starting, not, not will they or may they, and they are, going to start coming down really hard on some of the programs, and I think it's going to start to weed some of this recruiting improprieties out. Text from the 504 says, BS, that bleep will keep on keeping on. That's why we use the term weeding out. You ever weeded a backyard? I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Washington State. When I say the middle of nowhere, the closest town was 20 miles from me, and that town was 200 people. We had 20 acres. I had to weed about 10 acres of those. This nap weed. It was just nasty, spiky stuff. It was gross. You pull all the nap weed, and you still have some nap come back. You still have some of these weeds come back. You're not getting rid of all the weeds. The property looks a lot cleaner. It's the same thing when you talk about weeding out corruption in college basketball. The entire landscape of college basketball is going to look a lot cleaner after you weed it out. It doesn't mean the weeds are going to go away. It doesn't mean the improprieties are going to completely go away. Never going to happen. Not when you have this much money involved in a sport like this. And coaches who are looking for every avenue to get ahead. It's like the, the steroid scandal in Major League Baseball in the late 90s and early 2000s. Just because all these guys got caught and the Major League Baseball started implementing really stringent policies against the use of steroids, that weeded out a lot of the steroid use in Major League Baseball. Didn't get rid of it. Some guys like A-Rod, Rafael Palmero, Ryan Braun get caught up in that many more after you know the changes in major league baseball so it's going to make college basketball a better product i think it just is it's my view on it here is a text from the 504 if our o-line remains healthy all year we're going to the super bowl period 
that is the strength of this team. When I did my rankings, roster rankings by position group last month, I had the quarterbacks at A+, and I had the offensive line at A. Those are my two highest rankings for the position groups. The only reason I didn't have the offensive line as an A+, is because the uncertainty around Eric McCoy. Not a great day for Eric McCoy at camp, as he had a couple of bad exchanges with the quarterback. I think, what, two out of three snaps? But Sean Payton talking to Bobby Aber after practice saying, no, I'm going to get that weeded out. One hour down here, we got two to go. Next hour, lots of Pelicans talk. Speaking of bombshells, Rich Paul going nuclear in Sports Illustrated, trying to reduce the leverage the Pelicans have in their trade negotiations with teams besides the Lakers and the Knicks. We'll get to that. And speaking of rants, you're going to hear me hear me rants on that. Also, Scott Alexander and the lovely Jen Hale will be on the program. You're going to stay tuned for that. Right now, we're going live on Facebook, WWL Radio Facebook page, as we'll discuss more of this bombshell reports. There's that word again, the NCAA ready to issue all these notifications of infractions. WWL Radio Facebook page right now. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.